We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone, uh, just welcome you into the Rotowire uh, Fantasy Football Edition. Well, boy, I was going to October <laughs> 24th edition of the show. Here, I'm trying to tweet and talk at the same time, and that's just going to be a problem. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm excited to uh, get this underway because we actually have the Rotowire Stake League results that just happened, what, minutes ago? Uh, for us, a little bit longer, like an hour ago, but you guys. Mm-hmm your end of the massive Rotowire Stake League auction. And overall, we'll be discussing auction league strategy or salary cap league strategy for you out there. Um, and we have a little bit of news and notes. Really, this was the first day of training camp that was injury-related or heavy injury-related. So it's going to be good mm-hmm. to uh, have some of those conversations, Jake. And I'm happy to break uh, – I'm happy to – I can't even tease about your team. I think you have a pretty good team, but we'll okay. get into that in a bit. Awesome. I know. I thanked everybody for the free stake right <laughs> afterwards. I think I crushed this draft. And uh, for, for those that are unclear – there's an L.A. side to the Stake League, and there's a Madison side. And somehow you still ended up in the L.A. side, uh, I think because you got in earlier than me before we decided to expand into a new one. So we each did separate 14-team auction, salary cap, whatever you want to call it. Um, we each did separate 14 teams. They're, uh, it's a $200 budget, three IDPs, no team defenses, only five bench spots. So that makes waiver wire a little bit more challenging during the season. So uh, this is uh, our first big drafts to kind of recap together that we both participated in a similar format. We can compare pricing across the the sides. We can talk about guys we love in dollar days. And of course, you know, I always say nobody cares about our fantasy league. So we're going to try the best that we can to take the knowledge that we use and the general auction draft strategy and help you guys out for guys that are, are going into first time auction or salary cap drafts or people that are, are veterans and, and just to look at different perspectives as to how some of the pros, you know, I'm not saying myself, but you know, the other guys in this league, how, how some of the pros tend to do it. 
That was, a, that was a good breakdown. I want you just to copy and paste everything you said for when we actually discuss discuss the stake league portion of it so you can go over uh, all the different angles. of you're right, two-team league, uh, 14 teams across both sides. Um, and, and for those of you listening to the podcast version of this, you'll unfortunately miss Jake's uh, dive into his beard just now that we got on the YouTube channel, which oh, is, which is great. You, you had like you're a, fixing your camera. You had, you had like a million decibels in my ear, and I and I thought to myself, man, you know, I'm, I'm not pumped. Gonna be, I'm not going to deal with this the entire show, so I had to just <laughs> cut the volume volume a little bit because uh, I don't know my long term hearing is probably already shot, but we don't need to pile on. Uh, that's fair enough. Um, okay, so let's get to the breaking news that occurred a little bit earlier today. Travis Etienne now out for the season with a Liz Frank injury. He's going to be having surgery, I think, on that foot or or. Maybe there isn't surgery yet, but we know he's going to be out for the season. Tough break, obviously, um, for managers who are investing in ETN. <clears throat> Chris List, really, really early in every one of their drafts. Uh, yeah. That was not me. And I, I tweeted out when that happened, I hate to be right by default. I thought ETM was going far too high as is, uh, mm-hmm. but we're not going to find out. Obviously, tough value for people doing your drafts. And the other hot button topic I now heard after this was this is why you do your drafts like in the end of August and September like okay fine I guess but don't tell me about it because it's my job to be doing these drafts I got like 10 more to go over the next two weeks so whatever yeah the ETN news obviously a big deal what's your thoughts um and maybe it's a bit of a teaser with James Robinson because you bought him yeah, so we yeah we can start with that, and uh, yeah, that'll lead us into our stake league discussion here. Uh, so let's first like look at the landscape before today. Over the last week, you look at ADP. Uh, ETN was forty nine, and Robinson was sixty six. So you guys, you got maybe fourth round if you're list, otherwise five sixth round everybody else uh, for for taking him. And I mean, we expect the Jaguars' offense to be better. We expect Urban Meyer to figure it out a little bit, even though he's a rookie. We expect Trevor Lawrence to be a little bit better than Gardner Minshew was and they you know they've got weapons and a good team all around and James Robinson was last year's breakout player he was last year's league winner if you drafted him if you drafted late you could maybe draft him in your regular draft or he was the first week was one like, waiver he was wire. a waiver wire target yeah. for us right away yeah. yeah exactly I mean you would have had to draft it in, in like the days before the season mm-hmm. started and also listen to Mario really well to, <laughs> to be able to get him on your team for for next to nothing or during your draft so a lot of people will ask, like, who, who's this year's James Robinson? And the price isn't the same, but you could argue that James Robinson is this year's James Robinson because he's a player that you, you know, before today had to pay a sixth, maybe seventh round price for a little bit earlier. You know, he, he kind of he goes into that territory where the backs drop off to, like, surefire committee or riskier guys. But now you have to ask yourself, okay, if I'm in the snake draft, right, where do I take James Robinson? And I just did a little experiment because on the Rotowire soft, graph software, I'll give a quick plug for that. It allows you, we know not everybody agrees with lists and our NFL projection thing. So you can change any projection you want on the software. And if you're doing a salary cap league or auction league, it'll adjust the auction value based on what you think the projections are. And it's the same thing if you're doing value-based drafting in you know a snake draft. It'll change the player's ranking. They'll move up and down the ranking. If you think you know James Robinson is going to score 11 touchdowns or something, you can change that. So what I did, is, you know, we gave Robinson a decent projection, and then I made a very conservative addition. And what I did is I took ETN's projections, I basically cut him in half, and then I rounded down a little bit, especially in the pass catching area, because I don't think that translates directly. You know, those targets might go somewhere else to to Jones. Yeah, they had all those guys. So the targets go somewhere else. So I was really like, I did a conservative approach. I gave James Robinson like three, four more touchdowns. I gave him 300 more rushing yards maybe 15 more receptions, some more receiving yards, all of this. And 
what it came up with me being conservative is it came up in our 14 team league as a $50 player or to put that in perspective, it came up as RB five. Now you always have to balance, you know, ADP and what people are going to do with where you price a guy. So I, I obviously wasn't going to pay $50 for James Robinson, but if I could get him in the 40 range, give or take mm -hmm. a couple, I, you know, I, a couple people had asked me before the draft that I was in with, I was like, yeah, I priced him out at 50, you know, just to kind of mess with them a little bit. And I had the third nomination. It was my, I was going third and I threw Robinson out there just to see what was going to happen. And in our 14 team league, I ended up drafting him for $42. Now I asked before what, what round are we taking him in? Right. So I ended up settling on, he's probably a round two player. You know, you take a guy, I'm not threatened by Carlos Hyde or Daria Gumbawale. I mean, Gumbawale might get a few more targets, you know, that would have otherwise gone to, uh, gone to ETN and maybe Hyde sneaks goal line once in a while but you know i should have looked at where james robinson finished among running backs but it was definitely i feel like it was top 10 i don't have it off the top of my head so you know you're getting a top a top back who is the guy in in on a team that you know maybe they make they go 500 i don't really expect jacksonville to make the playoffs but they could surprise some people and so you're getting the top i mean you take that logic i don't really expect carolina to make the playoffs either but look at the number one pick in the draft is so you take the skill that we know he has and the opportunity that we know he has and I stick him right around the Austin Eckler, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, maybe even Antonio Gibson territory. That might be a little bit of a stretch. And if you look at how the pricing played out, I ended up paying $42 for him. And, you know, people will say that's a high end. Um, I wasn't going to go much higher than that. That was pretty much my absolute limit when we went uh, when we were in the auction there. And on your side, in the L.A. side, he went for 35. So, yeah, maybe I overpaid a little bit for him. But if you compare the L.A. to the Madison sides overall, the top tier of talent costs a whole lot more. I mean, McCaffrey went for $69 in our league. Nice, you know, and he was around 55 or something in your league. And there, there's a similar difference across that whole top tier. So for $42, I'll take James Robinson, especially when I got Chubb for 45 and there are my running backs in the 14 team league that I feel very, very good about. Yeah. I mean, a couple of points to mention on our side of things. So Robinson went for 35, like you mentioned, you had, you had also said he was, I, I checked, he was ESPN, at least ESPN scoring number seven overall in terms of scoring uh, running backs last year. Great. Great mm -hmm. for James Robinson too. I, I think if Robinson would have won earlier, uh, and I actually the third nomination too, I wish I would have done that at the same time. It would have been kind of ironic. I had really thought about putting Robinson out there just to see what the feeler would have been. By the time he was actually nominated, it was like 30 or 40 picks deep. And most of them running backs, I'd say like 80% of those guys initially were running backs. That ended up having a little bit cheaper. I bet you he's actually closer to your price, which is even more distinctive because you're right. McCaffrey mm -hmm. was $10 more. Delvin Cook was $10 more uh, thereabouts in your league compared to mine. And that's what happens um, in, in the difference of the two formats right now. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I have I have Robinson. I do the Yahoo rankings, obviously. I have Robinson ranked a little bit lower below Dobbins and below Swift. And I think mm -hmm. what's going to end up happening is I'm going to be lower on Robinson than most of the fantasy mm -hmm. community is, but it's not because I don't like him at all. Yeah. I am still worried about Urban Meyer. Like, I mean, the concerns I have with ETN still apply to James Robinson, maybe even more so because Urban Meyer decided, hey, I have James Robinson yet. I still need to invest a first round pick at his position. That should be a little bit startling, but but still, mm -hmm. you're talking about a guy that was yeah. sixth or seventh round value that's now going to be, I think, mm -hmm. uh, late second, early third at, yeah. at most, or mm -hmm. I guess at worst. So, so I'm definitely putting Robinson above Swift. Dobbins is where it starts to get really close. He went for 41 
after I had purchased Robinson. And I think I'm going to put Robinson ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire as well. So that's kind of where I'd put him. And he's right there. I have a real tough call between him and Eckler, you know, if you're in a snake draft. That, but I think he's a second-round pick to me. In a full point PPR, does that matter? Because this is half point PPR. So yeah, we take it. I don't have Eckler ahead of Robinson. Yeah, I don't have Robinson projected for catching a ton more balls. I mean, yeah. let me see. I'm gonna I want to quick see what we uh, what we had for him. I'm gonna because you can see what we had, and uh, so we had him at 42 receptions to start the year. I ended up giving him 50 receptions. We had him at 1,072 yards to start the year. I ended up giving him 1,300. So I gave him 300 more yards and three more touchdowns eight more receptions and uh, maybe this doesn't make sense. I gave him 90 more receiving yards. So let's maybe I'll take that down a little bit, but he still ends up as a top 10, you know, RB six, RB seven, once I make those changes. So I don't know when you look at the projections and, and, and what the dollar value says, I think that I got a, I got, I got a bargain. And to me that screams second round pick and he's safer than some of those second round pick options. Okay. All right. Let's move over to the other guy that we mentioned in the same chain. Deandre Swift is evidently according, uh, according to coach, Dan Campbell, not in game shape. And I'm putting this in quotes for those you can't see me doing it. Uh, whatever that means, I, I don't know. I, the Lions have been really goofy this whole offseason. TJ Hawkinson still isn't practicing, but is going to be completely fine and healthy for the regular season. DeAndre Swift has been the same way. And they actually operated uh, with Swift the same way last year, too. I don't think it's necessarily that Swift is an injury-prone guy necessarily, although he had uh, injury stints in college. I'm not concerned mainly because it's Jamal Williams, but I understand now if people do want to push Jamal Williams a little bit higher, thinking he's a quality back of some sort, they're wrong because they haven't watched enough Packer games, but I, I, I can see it. I think what Williams is going to have more of a factor, at least initially, if we're hearing now both Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell discuss DeAndre Swift is a bit uh, slower out of the gates to start the start of the season. Yeah. Our, our side of things incredibly overreacted to the re- recent news. DeAndre Swift went for $24 on our side. And Jamal Williams went for six. And I was sitting there like thinking I already had my two running backs. I don't really like Swift, but it seems like too good of a price to be true. And I ended up leaving him out there. And that's what all the other that's what all the other managers did. So uh, definitely a guy whose stock is falling here as we creep up towards the regular season. Yeah, Swift went for 33 in ours, and I was completely comfortable going for that direction. Most of the people, at least the company that liked DeAndre Swift were on our side of the draft. So it wasn't particularly surprising to me uh, to have Swift go to that extent, but it is one of those situations where, uh, you know, he's going to be a little bit higher priced on our side of things when there are more people that particular manager also got Christian McCaffrey 57 and follow up with miles Gaskin at 19. So, uh, you know, safeguarding yourself from the injury concerns with Deandre Swift, you get another guy like miles Gaskin who could end up doing okay. And you have, you have a stable that makes some sense. So those are the two big notes. Uh, Injury-wise, throughout Tuesday, we had uh, things like Robbie Anderson. He got a two-year extension. Good for him. Uh, not really a fantasy manager. Like, I think not not fantasy actionable for managers. I think Robbie Anderson's a pretty good wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the contract will make other people realize that, but I doubt it. Uh, like, anything to note with Robbie Anderson's contract? Yeah. I just, you know, recency, he was a guy where I had $20 left for a max bid, and I would have had to go to 19 for him. I was really hoping I could get him a little cheaper for my wide receiver three, but it just wasn't meant to be. I like him just fine. I think, I mean, we've talked about the Panthers before, you know, every year I have a bad quarterback who I think is good in this year. It's Darnold. And, you know, he might surprise some people this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Then we have the bills wide receivers get placed on COVID Cole Beasley, of course, (laughs) uh, not shockingly um, was involved in a COVID situation. Both Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley 
were close to people who tested mm-hmm. positive for COVID. Cole Beasley has been very vocal about his uh, desires to not have the vaccine. Again, not going to get into anything more with that from a political side of things. Mm-hmm. Just something to monitor for fantasy purposes. And this is my concerns yeah. when it comes to the Viking guys, too. That this could Yeah, I was going to say, who, who are the biggest anti-vaxxers in the NFL? The Bills and the Vikings, right? right. Does there, do anybody else come to mind? If anybody else does, the Colts like, for a while, they're a lot more quiet about it if they do. So, yeah, I'm not surprised by this. Um, I mean, there are, there's been talks about Cole Beasley not even making the roster, which is crazy for the all pro wide receiver. And I, I say that in complete jest because it was a, a farce that even got all pro honors to begin with. But yeah, uh, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, um, both in the cur- yeah. uh, COVID protocols right now. I mean, Cole we Beasley, happen, like, but. so we do, we do the waiver uh, pod all year long and the line we made up last year, or, you know, I've heard it tossed around is the Cole Beasley line. He's your exact wide receiver above replacement, right? He's your, he's your minimum. If you need a guy to start, he's the guy on the waiver wire is the guy you're going to cut better than Cole Beasley. And we'll have to pick a new guy this year because I think Beasley will be below that. And he's being drafted. He's being drafted like as if he's above that line as a two, $3 player. I don't think that's the case. I would much rather take a chance on Gabriel Davis taking the next step and cutting into his workload. And yeah, I'll take the upside player over the boring player at that stage in the draft every time. Yeah. Second year wide receiver, Gabriel Davis too. We had Harry Thompson, one of our really smart tech guys and was a part of your draft, literally get four of the top five second year wide receivers. I think at some point he just committed to the theme and mm-hmm. I mocked him for it, but a lot of those guys end up being pretty good price. We'll get to more of the, the like over analysis, my goodness, of the actual draft itself. The other injury to note, Daryl Henderson had a thumb injury uh, during the preseason game. I think it was what Sunday. And it sounds like he is going to be fine for week one. But I've seen some people now say, okay, it's Xavier Jones season. Uh, yeah. And I even considered taking Xavier Jones as like one of my last dollar day guys. A, mi- a mild thumb sprain doesn't really make me feel that worried. I think if you're fading Daryl Henderson, this injury doesn't do anything for you. You're fading Daryl Henderson because he's not all that good or hasn't shown his explosiveness throughout his career. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. did that injury do anything for you or no, your thoughts while drafting? Again, again, looking at, at the that uh, at the auctions that just took place, he was a $1. Xavier Jones was a $1 player in ours. He was a $5 player on your side. So, uh, uh, but it was, he was, again, he was one of the last guys taken uh, by the, by the individual who took him on your side. So it might've just been a case of, I'm going to dump the rest of my money on him. Not so much, you know, something actionable that we can learn, but still he's a back end of the draft guy in your 12 team leagues, borderline, Borderline even draftable there, unless you know, unless you take Henderson and you just want to have the backfield covered. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I forgot to mention, I'll, but this is the title sponsored by WinBet. I mean, we have all of our podcasts under the WinBet network, and it's been fantastic. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBook is now an exclusive sponsor for Dwyer's Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more right at your fingertips. If you want a break from sports betting, you can head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on the roulette, double down on blackjack, or slam the sots. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Broadway listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, WinBet the exclusive partner for our fantasy podcast. And while we're taking a word from our sponsors, let's also bounce over to Dynasty Owner. Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled for a year or so? Well, if that's the case, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. 
Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of the fantasy football uh, with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried you won't be able to fill anyone in, uh, fill any leagues or be able to play in them? Well, don't, because Dynasty Owner can help you fill your league with fi- fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start your league. You can join an existing one or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, go to dynastyowner.com and start your dynasty today. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of our like auction league sponsors out there, which is a great segue into our, our main breakdown mm-hmm. for today's podcast. And again, as we go through on these Tuesday editions, normally we're focusing on starts and or not starts and sits, but pickups uh, for your free agent team, like free agent wires throughout a given season, obviously. Season hasn't started yet. We're still three weeks away, uh, but mm-hmm. myself and Jake are getting guys set uh, with different tips and tricks. And I've always told people this podcast is really meant to be the dummy version for fantasy sports enthusiasts. Like if you if you're just getting into fantasy football or you want some talking points with your friends, mm-hmm. if you haven't been paying attention for six months, myself and Jake have you covered. And I think in this yeah. example, if you're interested in auction leagues, this is a perfect place to start. So we'll go over yeah. some strategies and, and discuss things that we did in this draft and kind of played out for you, the listeners, and, and ways that might be able to benefit you if you are a first-time person or mm-hmm. some long-time strategy or strategies that you have in auction formats. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to start with some basics kind of right off the top. I know if you listened to Jeff and Liz yesterday, they spent about a couple quick minutes talking about this. So I just kind of want to recap what they said in case, uh, you know, in case you missed that or are tuning into this one specifically for, you know, auction tips. They went over the basics. Obviously, Number one, make sure to spend all your money. You know, you don't want to be I the guy. Yeah, <laughs> I was that guy. <laughs> I said, I said, no, you're, you're making a face. I'm sorry. I was already that guy. Yeah. It was a mistake. It's fine. It's fine. Continue. Because every year in every league, there's a guy that comes into the auction with his spreadsheet, right? And he has a dollar value listed. And of course, if you use the RotoWire draft software, there's a dollar value calculated that's based on your specific league settings. I think having the draft software as a companion is a must for uh, auction salary cap leagues, especially if you're a first timer, you know, if you, if you've done dozens of them, you have a better feel, but having a tool that adjusts inflation of the players is really helpful. But of course, number one is to spend all your money. And a lot of times you could illustrate this in the difference between the Madison stake league and the LA stake league, the players, at the top tier, the top tier of running backs, the top tier of receivers. I think Tyreek Hill went for like $44 in yours. He went for like $56 in ours. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, 69 in ours, 54 in yours. So you, you have to read the room, right? And in our situation where there was such an inflation on that top, top tier of talent, if you sat there with your spreadsheet and said, you know, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to bid on these guys because they're over my projection. Guess what? You basically are giving up a first and second round pick. And we had a couple of managers do that in our league where they ended up, everyone else was down to 50 and they're sitting out there at $120. And yeah, you have control. You can get all these 17, $18 players, but if you stack your team up with six round picks and you don't have your studs, you know, you kind of leave yourself in a bad spot. So you definitely, one thing that Jeff and just, or Jeff and less Jeff and Liz said is that, uh, you know, Liss always likes to spend maybe two thirds of his budget on two, three, four core players. And I 100% agree with that. That was my strategy going into, into this. I took Nick Chubb for 45, Robinson for 42, Darren Waller for 35. And I paid a little high for Darren Waller, but you know, we've talked about this on the show before. You want one of those top three tight ends. Kelsey went for 40 in ours, which I think might almost be a record for stake league tight ends. I mean, that, that's, that's quite a bit. I don't remember tight ends getting into the forties in the past year in your standard 12 team league. They probably won't unless there's some key 
hyperinflation, some funky stuff like that going on. But generally, to make sure you're not the guy left with money at the end, you want to make sure you get one, two, three studs because that's the beauty of auctions, right? You can get two first-round picks if you want. If you pick, I don't know, let's say fourth, you know, you're probably not going to get Delvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey. You can make sure you get one of them in an auction, which is why it's the superior format to begin with. <laughs> and um, anyway, yeah, not to ramble too much, but definitely concentrate on two, three studs and spend almost two thirds of your budget there. So that's number one. And then as you kind of go, you go down, um, you want to kind of make sure you have enough money left to have some control at the end. You know, we had a guy that spent uh, all of his money in on his first four players and his third player was a $4 player. And then he, you know, for his last, you know, 10 roster spots, 10, 12 roster spots, they were only $1 players. So if someone threw a guy out for $1, guess what? You couldn't get him because you can't outbid them. So you want to save, you want to get your guys heavy. You want to maybe coast for a little while, unless there's such a tremendous value, but you want to leave yourself some buying power for those last five, six rounds of, of the auction to allow you to, you know, maybe get some of your guys bid two, three dollars on players that are, would otherwise have to be one dollar players. Because once you once you get to a point where your max bid is one dollar, your power is out the window. You have to rely on other guys leaving people out there. You know, I had I had Jalen Rager as one dollar to the very end of the clock and he got sniped. Terrace Marshall, one dollar to the very end of the clock and he got sniped. Fortunately, I only needed like another roster spot, another bench spot or two and then my IDPs. So, you know, I was OK with that. I think I maybe had to fill my last five with one dollar players. And um, and part of that, because I wanted to get a quarterback in a tier, that's a whole other thing. But those are the two things at the beginning. Make sure you get your studs and that you set yourself in a position that you will spend all your money. And then towards the end. Make sure you give yourself a little bit of buying power so you have some control over that middle to late tier and you can get your guys you want at the end of that. I mean, those are the two basics that they kind of touched on yesterday. Do you have anything to add in in that general area? Yeah, a lot of it's really good information. And I and I agree with you, although I, I took my time to eventually spend two-thirds of my budget on core players. That's a different part. Maybe we can go over the actual strategy of nomination and when you want to go in and price enforcing because these are all really relevant topics that if you're new to auction league formats, uh, you might not have a, gr a gra grasp on and it can make things challenging. But one thing I want to mention is you talked about the software. That's a great tool to have. If you don't want to spend the money on RotoWire, and I uh, you know, that's horrible that you don't want to. You have that site right down there, rotoware.com slash try for a free 10 day trial. You can get the software and use it for your drafts. Yeah, and then be done. It's totally fine. No, sorry. No, no, you can't. Oh, okay, no, you can't. Sorry. We, we make you, get, we make you do an online. You, you have to commit. It, to the software. It's like, it's like literally the one thing you can't do on a free trial because then everybody every year would make a new <laughs> email. They'd make a new email address and get the thing for free every year. And we'd never be able to sell any subs to pay our awesome developers that make the software. Fine. But, uh, but Fine. anyway, that's the one thing you, you could, otherwise, you could just, otherwise you can go on rotoware.com slash try and get that free 10 yeah. a trial and get almost every other resource you possibly yes. need. What you could do, I'll tell you the cheat code. What you could do is you could do the free trial, right? And then you can, there's a list of custom auction values on the site. It's labeled yes. that you can enter your league settings and, and get an initial list. The only thing that you won't be able to have if you just go about that way is like the, the inflation feature that changes the prices based on who's gone off the board. So you're not going to be able to have dynamically moving auction values, but it'll at least get you a starting list, uh, you know, for your auction salary cap drafts. If you go to the free trial right here below. So that's perfect. That starting list is what I think a lot of people should have. And again, and I joked about the rotoware.com. You can go on ESPN, Yahoo. I don't I don't really care. Mm -hmm. I, I want you to be listening to this podcast to be learning mm -hmm. and uh, be successful in your auction leagues. I don't care how you do it. But when you have that list in front of you, 
literally, I don't, you know, get, get a pen, get a uh, Sharpie marker, whatever, highlight tiers of players, because mm -hmm. having the tiers of positions, I think is infinitely valuable. If you think Christian McCaffrey and Delvin Cook are more or less the same player, make sure you mark that a tier, because if Christian McCaffrey were to go, then you have a relative idea of what you want to pay for Delvin Cook. It's more important to me later on, and I'm talking like the rounds five and six wide receivers that you have, to have those tiers outlined, because you might find somebody more valuable valuable than a different mm -hmm. tier and be saying, okay, I think I can get this guy a little bit cheaper, but I value him to this extent. This is how high I want to go. It's yep. more or less a cap in your mind. And I think it's mm -hmm. a very important thing because that cap is uh, like arbitrarily created by the rest of your league mates. Yeah. That brings me on to two more big points that I had jotted down that I want to make one, you know, I mentioned in the beginning how you could get stuck if you're just looking at your list and sticking to it too stringently. Auction values, it reminds me of Pirates Code, if you've ever seen the Disney movies. They're more like guidelines anyway. Again, you have to be dynamic. Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Yeah, well, Johnny, well, Johnny Depp. Pirates Code, and I'm like, that's not a movie. But no, okay. they, well, they talk about Pirates Code. They're yes. like, oh, that's against Pirates Code. Well, they're not really rules. They're more like guidelines anyway. Doesn't Johnny Depp say that, right? Yes, yeah, no, that's so, correct. Yep. Yeah, so, so it's the same thing with, uh, or Kira Knightley says it too, probably. Anyway, it's the same thing that I like to say, you know, when, when I when I very first started years and years ago and was doing a lot of customer service, I would kind of put it that way where like, you know, it's a guideline, but you're going to have to need to adapt to your draft. Uh, the second thing I want I wanted to mention, I'm glad you mentioned tiers because it's definitely a very popular style of drafting. You can make your tiers. And again, I don't want this to be a whole draft software plug, but you can <laughs> you can uh, on, on the software tier make tiers on your own and color code them on your own. So, you know, kind of when there's the bottom of a tier, because the big thing making tiers wasn't necessarily going to be the point that I was going to make, but the point I wanted to make was you want to avoid the last of a tier, right? Yeah. If you've held out way too yep. long and all of a sudden, I don't know, let's say Clyde Edwards, Alaire is the only RB one or the only RB in the first two rounds um, that's out there. Guess what? The guys that didn't get a running back or didn't pay up for running back are going to be in a bidding war. And suddenly, though, a mid to late second round pick is going to cost the same as, you know, a Chubb, Henry, Barkley, someone like that, that should be in the first round. So you want to avoid battling out to the last of the tier. So there's a couple examples of this. This one I didn't do super successfully. After Kelsey went for uh, for 40, I was like, OK, well, I'm going to get either Waller or Kittle, whoever gets nominated next. And it ended up being Waller and it ended up being 35. And, yeah, it was a little bit of an overpay but I'm happy to get one of the tight ends here. An example uh, where this kind of burned a guy in our draft is, um, now listen, I respect the hell out of Mario's opinions and everything, but he ended up paying $39 for Chris Carson in our, in our auction. And listen, man, Chris Carson's a fine player. You know, Pete Carroll, Seattle, they absolutely love him. They give him a ton of touches every year. Um, but he, to me, he's not exciting as someone like, um, I'm trying to think like Austin, Austin Eckler was also $39. So think about that. By getting in on Eckler and not waiting to the end of the tier, you got a better back for the same price. And I believe Carson was cheaper in your league. I mean, I was in a keeper league where I waited to the last possible second to decide whether I wanted to keep $19 Chris Carson or $2 Tom Brady. And I ended up going with Chris Carson, but not feeling great about it. But again, it's not like they both have super hot rookies in that backfield. They're, you know, they're treading the, kicking the tires on some of these same backups that they've always had. You know, maybe Penny steps up for one year, but we haven't seen it yet. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, $39 Chris Carson is not something that you necessarily want to be stuck with. But if you have a lot of money and 
the running backs are drying up super fast and you don't want to add up with uh you know super committee or not so hot guys then you find yourself in a bidding war for the last of the tier so that's the big example i wrote down of you know wanting to make sure you don't end up with the last tier i ran into the same example where Dak prescott went off the board i think for like nine or ten dollars and then for me aaron Rodgers was ten dollars and it was down to russell wilson or justin herbert and i'm like i need to make sure i get i'm gonna go ahead and bid on the next guy that's nominated because there's a big drop off after that. So I ended up taking Herbert for $10 and then, you know, this, it didn't happen too bad, but I think Russell Wilson was 12 or $13, yep. but I put those guys at pretty much the same level here. So I saved a couple by making sure I wasn't chasing the last in the tier. And that's a real big, important uh, point that I want to hit on uh, for, for auctions. You know, it, it happens to everyone, whether it's the experts like you and me or your first time playing it, that will occur. And when you talk about the last of tiers, that's pretty easy to achieve in redraft. And especially I feel like when I've been picking at the back mm-hmm. or the front of drafts, like you're just catching whatever tier you can and yep. you're happy with it. But when it comes to auction formats like this and you have the ability to acquire as many players of whatever tier you want to avoid that last one, more or less is avoiding the upcharge that comes with it. it might be $3. It might be $10 depending on the aggressive of your league is there will be something to that effect occur. So just be mindful of that when you are participating. The other strategical mm-hmm. element of auction formats that bears mentioning is the nomination strategy. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure, Jake, if you have a particular one or if it was executed correctly in this draft with as many mm-hmm. chaotic high prices that seem to be early on. But there is there is like a, a delicate balance to it that people need to be understanding of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot that you can say about nomination strategy, and there are really two schools of thought. Do you want to, A, nominate players that I like and hopefully uh, can get because I'm up and I want to get them, or B, nominate players you don't like and hopefully uh, drain the budget of other managers in the league so when the players you do like come up, you have a better chance of getting it. And I will say that I think there's a time and a place to do both of them. Yes. One thing I've noticed in every auction that I've done, basically, is the first one, two, maybe three picks, you're kind of price setting. This happens a lot in baseball especially. So oftentimes the first player that's nominated goes at a discount because there hasn't been a price set for this player or this tier necessarily. So if you're nominating one, two, or three, I would argue you want to nominate a player that you do like because you there's a chance you'll be able to get them at a bargain because then once two or three players go, you know, let's say two or three first round running backs, you know, go at 50, go at $50, right? Then all of a sudden, like if Delvin Cook hasn't been nominated yet, you'll start to see him go up, up, up 57, 58, or, you know, in our case, Christian McCaffrey get all the way bumped up to 69. So early on, I think you want to nominate players that you want and it's very early but after that is when you start to kind of nominate guys you don't want to try to drain budget so that's when i nominate patrick mahomes to see if i can get someone to spend 25 dollars on him that's when i nominate maybe a running back that i don't like so much so you try to drain the budget that way the frustrating part at least for our side is not that we more or less have the same likes and dislikes as people participating in the draft, but we all know players we like and dislike. So, for example, I tried to throw uh, Pitts out there. Well, he went for 15, and I'm thinking, great. I can't wait to get TJ Hawkinson at 10 or Mark Andrews at 11. Well, they both went right around the same dang price. Yep, it it, it didn't matter. Like the, the, the 
foresight that I tried to plan ended up still wrapping around. And honestly, our side of the league did a really good job for almost every mm-hmm. tier. There's a few guys that I thought were tremendous value, and we can talk about them a little bit later in the mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. But, the, but I think in, in non-expert leagues like the ones we're doing, you will see that more often where you can do these nomination strategies and get guys a little bit cheaper, whereas I can quibble about $1 or $2.00. It is a legitimate thing in most formats. In most yeah, so, formats. I, so I thought of a couple of ways, you know, uh, other things that kind of build on my last point. Of course, one, I'm never going to uh, attack the top elite tier of quarterbacks. So I'm nominating, you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes early. Number two, once I've already paid up for, and I have two good running backs, for example, I'm not going to get, you know, a third 40 plus dollar running back to fill my flex spot necessarily, unless an amazing value comes. So I'll start nominating the other running backs in that tier and, uh, you know, let other get a couple 40, $50 guys off the board to see other guys budgets decrease. And lastly, if you're in a hometown and there's a, there's a common team that a bunch of people like, yes, I, I like to throw those guys out. So there are a handful of Packer fans, of course, in our league. So I ended up putting, or I didn't, I don't know if it was me who put him out there, but somebody nominated Devonta Adams. And I'm like, yes, that's what I like to see because there's a huge bidding war and he got bid up to $58. So like pretty much, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry type pricing there for Devonta Adams. So, um, you know, unless you're in love with that guy and want to maybe take him later. I mean, of course, fantasy football should be fun. Maybe take guys that you, you want to root for all year. Uh, you know, I, we're of course in different school of thought where we have so many different teams that, you know, we'll get that sooner or later and, and it won't matter, but that's another way to drain budget is take guys from your hometown team that you know people are going to overpay for. The last bit of the auction formats that I think people need to understand is the end game and how to prepare for the end game. Now, you talked about it quite a bit already with giving yourself flexibility to not even just price and force, but get the guys that you might want and make sure you have the ability to do so uh, as opposed to just being subject to whatever the nomination row ends up being. I think the other section of this from the end game perspective is maybe grabbing those end game targets that you like earlier, like in the mid game. Yeah. And, and I think we saw it a few times, like uh, Melvin Gordon, I believe went for $9 in yours and $5 in, in mine. Like that's a guy that if you're doing an auction league and there's like, I think 240 picks or something like that across all 14 teams, more than likely is near the bottom third, but Melvin Gordon went pretty much right away. Not only does it set a tier price for other guys and whether or not you can get a bargain on them, but it is a way for you to go get your guy that you might want at the end game and taking out all the guessing or planning afterwards. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have done that with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. I've been getting Trevor Lawrence everywhere. I've been talking about it on the radio podcast. $2, $2 yes. in our league. And I mean, I got him for $2 here too as well, okay. but there was a lot of sweating I had to. And honestly, I would have been mm-hmm. more aggressive getting my number three wide receiver. Had I known how much I was mm-hmm. budgeting ahead of time for Trevor Lawrence, I was going to get him no matter what. I just want to make sure I got him at an affordable mm-hmm. price, but it ended up costing me and being flexible elsewhere. Have you felt you've, that same yeah. way in different strategies or so, times. So one thing I did today was, uh, you know, knowing the Jacksonville backfield situation going in relatively early on in the draft, I nominated Carlos Hyde for $1. He probably wasn't even taken in yours. Who the heck knows, but you take that dollar guy off the board and you know, that's one less $1 player you have to worry about at the end. So then when you get to the end, you can start nominating guys. You know, if you have a few dollar guys off the board, some people wanted to take, they're like, oh, I'll take a mediocre kicker. I did this with Jason Sanders too. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll throw him out there. One dollar. People probably aren't going to pay two dollars for a kicker. That's you know not the not the top tier there. So uh, then I have a couple of my dollar slots filled. Of course, you know I ended up not being able to restrain myself and and get some guys <laughs> towards the end there. I think I wanted I needed five dollar Kenyon Drake for some reason. It just I just needed him. 
And um, that's still good value, to be honest. Yeah, that's still value. I mean, I took I did a five dollar Michael Thomas too. I couldn't pass that up. I know his situation's a little dicey, but we do have we do have like a COVID IR spot anyway. So I actually liked mm-hmm. that too. And he mm-hmm. went for three dollars. And had I known that we still had that from last year, I would have been all on board. You can sit on Michael Thomas for as long as you want until he's exactly. back. Exactly, that's totally mm-hmm. fine for five bucks. Yes, but anyway, the point I was trying to make in with filling out a couple of your one dollar spots early is when you get to your last three four players. And, you know, maybe you have $2 per player. Mm-hmm. You can start nominating guys at $2. You don't you don't need to nominate everybody at $1. You can nominate them at any price, right? And if you start nominating at $2, suddenly all these other people in the league that maybe wanted that player are priced out because they're down to dollar days already. So they're down to their $1 players, and, uh, and, and they can't. And now if you were to nominate them at $1, maybe they can, you, you know, Maybe they can get two if they if they have one more two dollar bid left. But it's good to get that last tier and start nominating them at two dollars. Take out half the competition and uh, yeah, and treat yourself well there. Hopefully, one last thing I'll say, um, and only because it was prevalent for this. We so we played the we did the draft the auction part on ESPN. Then we'll move over to my fantasy league for the actual stuff. It, it's hard um, on ESPN to see what position somebody has. And what is their max bid for player? And there are times where you might want to block a person from getting a Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill stack mm-hmm. or, you know, something of that effect. Be mindful and diligent because I can tell you right now, the other 11 members of your fantasy league or whatever it ends up being might not be doing that. So while you don't need to necessarily always be the sheriff the entire time you're playing, mm-hmm. you are making sure you're blocking competitive advantages for other people. So I think, for example, I really want a Marquise Brown. I needed a wide receiver four. Uh, and I was between myself and one of our, our good friends of the show, Ken Kreitz, who does a lot of great content for us on the site, but also is, uh, you know, the deals operator here at Rotoware, it feels like. Mm-hmm. And Ken had uh, the final bid or like his his highest bid on a player could be $18. I was sitting there with 44 and looking at like the highest bid of 14. And I'm thinking, which players can I throw out? So Ken will go ahead and waste his higher uh, bid opportunity. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I wanted control to go ahead and get Marquise Brown or whoever it was. I guessed incorrectly. I wasn't able to do it, but that was a that was a legitimate strategy that I was trying to have. Be mindful of that when you are playing your leagues. There isn't, I mean, there's so many other things going on in an auction league. Just be careful of what's the max bid somebody can have. Is there a player that they might like that can make them waste money? And then to be aggressive, making sure you use your flexibility and power as the highest bid to do what you want. All mm-hmm. those things are really important, and I think go unnoticed, especially on certain formats, which kind of bury. Uh, what's the highest bid you can have for a player. Yep, and as it relates to your, our draft software, again, I'll do this one more time. Um, <laughs> there's a whole tab called Roster Composition, so you can see at a glance the entire league, what positions they have filled, what their max bid, and how much uh, and how much money they have left is. So it's a good way to keep track of it. Not every draft room has an easy way to do that, so it's another nice way to do that in your software. Well, you've been talking a lot about your league already, Jake. I want to get your overall strategy and your thoughts on your roster and where you fit among the other 28 people that have participated across both sides of the stake league format. Before we do that, though, let's get a word from our sponsors. Sleeper, what do your fraternity brother, Steve, Katie from work, and your grandma all have in common? Well, they're all waiting for that invite to your fantasy football league. There's no better way to hang out, no easier way to talk smack, and no more customizable platform to host your fantasy leagues on this year than Sleeper. Whether you have a redraft league or a dynasty league that's been around for 10 years, Sleeper is everything you need in one app. Incredible commissioner tools and commission uh, customizations, built-in messaging, support for snake drafts, auction drafts, and best ball leagues. 
blazing fast news, stats, scores, and they're all in a beautifully designed mobile app and website that makes every other app look like a horse and buggy. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform for a reason, and all cool commissioners are switching to Sleeper and not looking back. Don't just take my word for it. Download Sleeper on iOS or Android and see for yourself. You have nothing to lose. It's free. Let's also get a word from our sponsors real quick here at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we're back. So we've been discussing the stake league itself and our overall teams. We just, Really, overall strategy for auction league has been throughout. But we have to finish the last 10 minutes or so talking about our teams. You've been, <laughs> you've been reluctant, Jake, to really uh, have us harp on because nobody wants to hear about <laughs> our drafts, expert drafts. But there are, there are deals that I thought were made, and if you are participating in auction leagues, there are strategies that we use to get these ones or didn't use. So I guess, what was your overall play? What, were you happy with the results, and do you think yeah. it's going to do pretty well? Yeah, no, I'm very confident in my situation. I did a mix of all the strategies that I kind of discussed so far on this show. Of course, you know, spending the big chunk of my budget on a core of players. And my core was James Robinson, 42, Nick Chubb, 45, and Darren Waller, 35. And then after that, you know, I wanted to get my guy, number one. So my guy, as I've said repeatedly on this show this year, is Deontay Johnson. I'm going to get him as many spots as I possibly can this year. I thought I got a steal for him at $16. And then after that, I was just looking for value down the rest of the line. And of course, playing the last of the tier game a little bit. Justin Herbert for $10 is probably more than I like to play a quarterback, um, especially when you get past 12-team leagues. But the thing with stake league is there's the stake bet, and we didn't really explain that at the beginning of the show. We go out for a real nice stake dinner, and the bottom seven in points pay for the entire bill. So in this league, having a steady quarterback. Bottom four, yeah, bottom seven, I was going to say bottom 14, but yeah, bottom seven yeah. in the, the mass inside of things. So 14 yeah. in total. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of a DFS cash game mentality to this where you want to get a quarterback because they are, after all, the highest scoring. In fact, if I'm playing this and the only thing is the overall prize money, then I'm spending like a buck on Matt Ryan and a buck on Ben Roethlisberger and beefing up the rest of my Roth roster and, you know, playing the waiver wire. But instead, I got someone a little bit safer, a quarterback like Herbert. And really, it's the stake bet was the was the main reason driving me to get that to get the last of the tier. Um you know, Mike Evans, I wasn't particularly targeting, but at 24, I thought it was a good price. Brandon Cooks, again, not a guy I was particularly targeting, but he was someone under my my budget. And then, you know, filling out my bench, guys. Dollar Carlos Hyde, just in case something were to happen to uh, to, to James Robinson here. Uh, Michael Thomas for $5. Kenyon Drake for $5. He's a guy that'll be an average score week to week. I can flex him in. I got Joe, Joe Burrow as my backup quarterback for a buck. Uh, T.Y. Hilton for a buck. Now, I know 
on a show, our don't draft show, I said don't take T.Y. Hilton, right? I was, I was going to ask you about that, yep. I, I was pretty adamant about that. But obviously, news changes, right? Carson Wentz suddenly looks like he's going to be ready to go for week one. You know, so I'm not necessarily worried about, you know, having Eason or whoever throw him the ball automatically put me out on him, right? There's no chance of any of him getting deep balls there. Um, but for $1, my risk is low enough that I can feel okay about cutting him and I don't have to leave him in fantasy purgatory. And I thought that was a good price. And if there's any weak point in my in my team, I did not get any stud receivers, but I can live with that. Usually, I mean, maybe I, I'm too confident after picking up Justin Jefferson off the waiver wire last year <laughs> to really save my team and get me back into eater territory. But um, if the, just, I, I usually feel like I can play receivers decently off the wire, and I was fine getting middle tier guys, especially when I got Deontay Johnson, which I think he'll figure he'll finish as a wide receiver one this year. It'd be nicer if it was full PPR, but it is half PPR. And I and I will take that. Do you have any uh, any critiques or anything on my team, or do you want to get want to jump right over to yours? No, I, I mean there it's it's the layout. Unfortunately, the way ESPN has us, we have to get an email sent until we have an article written, which there is an article on my side. Liz already put together in amazingly fast fashion. I hate complimenting him, uh, but it was really well well done and kind of laid out as to how our, our league went and who was nominated where. Uh, which you can see on the site, I think probably not even behind a paywall. It's just a, a stake league draft. So Liz has got that taken care of. Your league doesn't have that yet. So it's a little bit harder. I thought just from an overall perspective, your team was pretty easily a safe one. Obviously you avoided doing a lot of the big, uh, big spending that a few other people did. And I think you're able to catch the windfall, but you were smart. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. If you've been doing an auction league for the first time and avoided doing the major big purchase on our players. Great but you have to be able to capitalize on it. And I, that's mm-hmm. the one thing I can't teach you unless I'm right there with you. Like, no, hit the button, go ahead and pay, pay up. Mm-hmm. You were able to do that and capitalize on some of those values. So I think it was a pretty safe team and, and easily one that should finish among the top seven overall um, from a stake league perspective. So you're right there. Now, I don't know if you're like the league winning team, but again, that's not why you or I are playing this league. That's mm-hmm. not why the rest of well, the I mean, people are out there necessarily. I, I, don't get don't get me wrong. I'm playing to win here. You know, taking guys like Deontay Johnson, that's a league winning pick with what no, a study is going to be this. This year, <laughs> Johnson, are you kidding me? Justin Herbert could finish his QB one. You know, Devin Singletary could be the guy. Mike Thomas could resolve all his problems. Like I took enough high upside guys to win the league, but I also balanced that with a pretty safe team that I feel pretty safe about being an eater at the next steak dinner. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was a different strategy. And I, I think I'm okay with the results. The more I've kind of looked at it and, and thought about it more, I've generally historically been aggressive bidding early on. Um, I think for a large portion of my career at RotoWire and certainly doing these stake leagues, I've always been the new guy, uh, the younger dude, whereas it's like with Peter Shanky and Chris Liss and Jeff Erickson and a whole lot of other really big names who've been there around a long time and are you know far smarter than me. So I've been able to kind of capitalize on the, oh, you know, shucks, I'm just happy to be here type of thing and kind of sneak in and get some values or just be a nuisance. I mean, like, it's weird to say being a nuisance is a strategy in an auction league format, but I'll always be bidding somebody up or price enforcing. This year, I thought I was going to get trapped, or at least maybe I got in my head that I didn't quite know. I think more so my overall thoughts on this year's class is I like a lot of guys in the same tier. And while it makes it frustrating in rounds four and five and six, you go get your guy. I thought in an auction format, I can shrug my shoulders, plug my nose, and just get whatever one of those guys that kind of fits in my tier. So I really was more patient than I've really ever been before. And that landed me Aaron Jones at $42. And that's my first share of Aaron Jones. I've been a little bit lower on him than a lot of people, but you look at guys around that same range. Okay. Austin Eckler went 41, um, but guys that were more like the late first rounder, Saquon Barkley at 47, Jonathan Taylor, who has 
he's not going to be late first anymore, but was was pushed pushed up closer to fifty by list or fifty two. Like I, I thought, I got good value for the upside that Aaron Jones has. I would have loved to get AJ Dillon as a compliment to it. Unable to do so because I didn't plan out well enough. Uh, that end mm-hmm. tier. And there were so many people yep. looking for those running backs three and four that he got priced up to the point where I just didn't think it made sense. But for the most part, a lot of these guys, Delvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Saquon Barkley, they weren't able to get their backups. So it's going to be kind of a tipsy-turvy type of situation where maybe those backups get dropped by somebody who needs that roster spot and you could be more aggressive in the wave wire. So Aaron Jones at 42, and that was probably like player four, 35, something to that extent. I was one of the last ones. I did go get my guy, TJ Hawkinson, uh, doing exactly what you said, Jake, trying to avoid that final tier. <laughs> Kyle Pitts at 14. I knew Mark Andrews was going to go around that same range. So I was going to get Hawkinson. I was very happy to get him there. And then I had to get my other running back. And, and it was, again, trying to avoid that same tier. So David Montgomery at $34. I'm not a huge David Montgomery fan. I didn't plan to make an NFC North backfield. Uh, but I thought it was okay. I would have rather had James Robinson at 35 if I would have had more foresight, but uh, avoiding some of those pitfalls, like having to find my running back two out of Javante Williams or Mike Davis or Chase Edmonds, that was my biggest concern. And I was worried about DeAndre Swift and uh, would he be as good as I think he is in this type of situation where it's an overall point scoring and I I don't want to be behind the eight ball if DeAndre Swift is getting punished by Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell. That was my yep. biggest concern. So overall, I, I felt pretty good about my draft. I'm, I'm weak at wide receiver, um, but I felt like the the deals at the end, Trevor Lawrence, $2, Devontae Parker, I, it's listed as five. I ran out of my, I had too much money, so he would have been an $8 bet, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like I, I, I'm fine with that. And Curtis Samuel is four to kind of cushion myself. Mm-hmm. One of those guys is going to end up working out really yeah. well. And Chuba I like Hubbard at six was interesting. You just wanted to stiff the McCaffrey guy? Yeah, I, I just want a backup. And again, you mentioned Xavier Jones went for $5. Tony Pollard went for like eight. All those backup guys were not one or $2 players. So to me, it was like, if these uh, backups are as valuable as uh, five or $6, then why wouldn't Huber, uh, Hubbard be as well too at that point? That, that was mm-hmm. really all it was. And he might be one of my first drops. I don't really care. I knew I had some money to play with and I could be aggressive getting mm-hmm. one of the top backups. Yeah. Yeah. Overall. I mean, I don't have any major, major critiques of your team. I think it's a good, solid balanced team. Aaron Jones at 42, you know, your highest price guy. I like, obviously we both have Mike Evans. I'm fine with Julio Jones at $26, especially Jeff and Liz talked about it yesterday about AJ Brown's knee, maybe giving him a little soreness, a little residual soreness. So I think Julio Jones could be on the rise. I mean, Devin Bush went for multiple dollars and ours. I know we're talking IDPs here. And of course you did a good job being able to control that tier at the end by getting yeah. guys, guys like Devonte Parker for $5 and Michael Gallup for $6. I was out on those guys, not because I don't like them, but because I didn't have enough money to bid to three, $4 at the end like that. So that was good. If there's one critique, if anything like that, I mean, Aaron Jones probably counts, I guess by NFFC, he, he would be a first round pick or a borderline first round pick, but you don't really have any first round picks if you don't count Aaron Jones. And, well, even uh, like second or third round picks too. You think mm-hmm. Mike Evans and uh, David Montgomery yeah. um, and like yeah, Julio they, Jones, yeah. that's like all third or fourth round guys. So it mm-hmm. goes to your point. That's where I don't feel great about. I, I mm-hmm. wish I was a little bit more aggressive, but I felt yeah. comfortable with the tiers that I had made and I wasn't going to deviate from that too much, mm-hmm. which is how I got some yeah. of those cheaper Julio Jones and yeah. Mike Evans. Maybe if you would have, uh, you know, pushed up to go after a guy like Zeke Elliott or Derrick Henry or something like that and you know instead of a David Montgomery you would have a spent all your money it would have came at the cost of maybe having to have one dollar players instead of Gallup and Parker but Mm -hmm. 
But you know, yeah. you know, that's the only thing I maybe would have tried to do differently is be a little more aggressive earlier. But if, excuse me, of course, that's really easy to say here at the end of the draft when, when we're looking at things now. Yeah, and and unfortunately, one of the biggest compliments I can give again is to Liss, who I thought got the the steal of the century with Amari Cooper at twenty three. I thought that was absolutely absurd, and kind of was able to allow him yeah. to be flexibly aggressive. He got Chris Godwin at thirty one, Odell at eighteen. I thought he absolutely crushed the draft. And again, I hate giving him compliments. And then Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts at fourteen. Not that I I want to do compliments to the other half of the Monday podcast crew, but as the first of that tier, I thought we were going to be price enforcing Kyle Pitts way higher, and that really set the tier then for Andrews and Hawkinson and I love Hawkinson but 14 for Kyle Pitts with the upside he has was yep. ridiculous so those were yeah, two Kyle, really good Kyle Pitts he was a $20 player yeah, exactly. in ours and I, it's, I'm surprised it's funny. he was only 20 yeah it's funny you mentioned 23 being a great value for Cooper on your side because Cooper went for 34 on our side and I thought that was I wrote that down as one of the bad buys you know maybe chasing the last of a tier uh we know it's CD Lamb season in Dallas coming up and uh I don't know. I think that was just a little bit of an over. Yeah, the, you got C.D. Lamb overpaid there. One of my good friends uh, might have won a little bit too high in C.D. Lamb to go make his second year trend thing like yep. meme meme team happen. But good job for you, Harry. Otherwise, yeah, I felt pretty good. But you'll be again able to check out the Stake League portion of my draft on the site with Stake League draft written by Chris Liss. He did a great job going over it. I'm sure uh, John McKechnie and Mario Puig will also be talking about their drafts a little bit on the Thursday show. Uh, mm-hmm. And it'll be something that you see a lot on Twitter throughout the rest of the week. This is one of the biggest things for RotoWire. It is one of our Super Bowl drafts, so to speak. And uh, yeah. I'm. it's always a privilege for me to be able to do this podcast mm-hmm. right afterwards and break it down with you. Yeah, it's a privilege to eat free steak for four out of the last five years. <laughs> I really I really enjoy that part. You're and, in the easier uh, side of the league. That's why. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, I hear nothing but excuses coming from over there. So, you know. I, Well, I'll say this, Jake. I had the chance to move over to your league and reap all the benefits of how easy it was, and I chose not to because I want to do things the hard way Kevin Durant style. I want to do the hard way. So. You want to do, yeah, you want to shell out two, three hundred dollars for steak. You know, be my guest. You know, you can keep doing that all you want. Absolutely. All right. Well, that does it for us on the Tuesday edition of the Rotor NFL podcast, sponsored you by WinBet. Uh, we'll be back next week going over some sort of tips and tricks strategy for you as we get closer and closer, inch closer to the regular season, week one of the NFL. I'm looking forward to it. I know you are, guys. Stick around and thanks again for listening. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.